Consider the following math symbols. Plus, minus, equals, less than, and greater than. One of these is not like the other, if you also think theologically. While under house arrest in Rome, the Apostle Paul responds to the news of false teachings about Jesus. In his prison epistle to the Colossians, he travels deep into the substance of the Christian faith to demonstrate that Jesus is greater than what the false teachers present, and then applies the reality of Christ to everyday life in the home, work, and relationships. Have you bought into a less than Jesus? Maybe it's time to recalculate your understanding of who Jesus is. The real Jesus minus false teaching plus the truth equals a greater than Jesus. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks so much for stopping by. Well, some 2,000 years ago, false teaching began to surface in the church at Colossae. So the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Colossians to address those heretical ideas. What were these false teachings? And how does Paul's letter apply to us today? Find out next as Ron begins his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org and listen on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Colossians chapter 1, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. You may remember from your, let's say, fifth grade math class, some symbols that you learned early on when you were learning to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. One was the equal symbol, you know, two horizontal lines that were parallel to each other when you said that one thing was equal to something else. Then there was the not equal to sign. It was those two parallel lines with a slash between them. Remember that one? Okay. And then there was the greater than and the less than symbol. Do you remember those? Have, have, I, have I left anybody behind yet, all right? I, I, feel like, I feel like some of you are like, math was not my strong suit. No, it wasn't mine either. But uh, there were some basic symbols there. I think of those symbols today as we begin a brand new study of Paul's letter to the Colossians because the theme of the book of Colossians, as I read it, is Jesus is greater than. A little historical context uh, that is important to understand related to the uh, letter to the Colossians. Colossae was a a small town uh, amongst a triangle of cities in what is today the western coast of, uh, of Turkey, modern Turkey. Um, the other two cities that were nearby were Laodicea, uh, famous for its medical center, and Hierapolis, which was famous for its hot springs. Think of Hot Springs, Arkansas when you think of Hierapolis, and people would go there for the warm, natural baths and waters there. Um, when Jesus wrote a letter to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, he called them a lukewarm church. Well, they understood that in very palpable terms because they would get their hot water from uh, Hierapolis and their 
their cold water would start from Colossae, but by the time it arrived, it was lukewarm, and the mixture of that now kind of warm bath water and lukewarm water was a picture of the Laodicean church that had grown lukewarm. But Colossae among the three was a city of no significance. The Apostle Paul never visited Colossae. He didn't plant the church at Colossae. The best scholarship is that a guy named Epaphras started the church in Colossae, and he was probably a student of the Apostle Paul when Paul planted the church in Ephesus. He was there for three years, and he started a theological school there where he taught for five days a week. And Epaphras might have been one of his students. I would have loved to have gone to that school where the Apostle Paul was, was teaching about Christ and Him crucified and risen again. Epaphras took that teaching, we believe, and put it into practice. He didn't just fill up notebooks and fill up his head with theological knowledge. He let it drip down into his hands and his feet, and he said, here am I, Lord, send me. And he went off to Colossae. Uh, from human standards, an, an insignificant city, a small city, and he started a church, and the church there was small. The other thing to know is that the book of Colossians, this letter that Paul wrote that is part of our New Testament canon, is one of four what we call prison epistles. Paul wrote the letters to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon while he was under house arrest in Rome. The book of Acts tells us that Paul's uh, adversaries, his enemies, uh, had him arrested. Uh, he, they, they considered him to be an agitator among the Jews, and they had him arrested. And he, he, he was defending his, his faith and defending himself before two governors, Felix and Festus. We read about this in the book of Acts. And Paul just kind of sneaked into his defense that he was a Roman citizen. Ah, Roman citizen. He appealed to Caesar. Off to Rome, Paul goes. But it took two years for him to get an audience with Caesar, and while he was in Rome, he was under house arrest. This is Paul's first imprisonment. Not in a dungy, dreary Roman prison. That was his second imprisonment that led to his beheading. But his first imprisonment was under house arrest. Still adverse circumstances. His liberties had been taken away. He had, was given some liberty to, to meet with people. But, but while he was under house arrest in Rome for two full years, that's when Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, and to Philemon. He wrote this letter to the Colossians from a Roman prison to address false teaching in this little bitty church, in this insignificant city, false teaching that made Jesus less than who he really is. And you say, why, why would... Why would Paul take the time to do that? He didn't plant this church. He never visited this church. He didn't know these people face to face. Oh, maybe one of his students went there and he was helping them out. Two things strike me here. First is, remember, Paul's, Paul's in prison. He's in really, really difficult circumstances. But he's doing everything he can to still advance the gospel. It reminds me of something that Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, once said. I loved her philosophy of life and her spunk. She says, she says this, I always try to live this way. Make the best of all that comes and the least of all that goes. Isn't that a great philosophy? Make the best of all that comes and the least of all that goes. I see the Apostle Paul doing that in these four prison 
epistles because he had every reason to walk into that house imprisonment and, and, and just, just be, you know, be all pouty and over in the corner and woe is me and look at my circumstances and just wringing his hands, but Paul would have none of that. He made the most of all that came, the least of all that went, and it's a lesson to us. I don't know what circumstances you're in this morning. You may be here this morning and you are facing the most adverse set of circumstances you've ever faced. You didn't choose the circumstances any more than Paul chose to be in prison in Rome under house arrest for two full years. Make the most of all that comes, the least of all that goes, okay? Uh, another way of saying it is you got to make lemon out of lemonades, right? Or lemonade out of lemons or something like that. I like what Ruth Bell Graham said better. But you get the idea. You can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose your attitude, you can choose how you respond in those circumstances. And I want us to keep that historical context in mind as we work our way through this marvelous uh, New Testament book called the book of Colossians. Uh, Paul, Paul refused to become self-focused. Even when people, even when a guy named Onesimus, a runaway slave who came to faith in Jesus Christ, approached Paul and asked him for some help, Paul didn't say, I got enough troubles of my own, dude. You know, go away. No, Paul took the time to write a letter to a guy named Philemon on behalf of this runaway slave named Onesimus. And it's just a reminder to us again, make the most of all that comes, the least of all that goes. Make the most of every opportunity to advance the gospel. Now, Paul had heard that some false teachers came to this church in Colossae. And it bothered him enough that he wrote this letter to correct their false teaching. In the scholarly work around the book of Colossians, it's known as the Colossian heresy. And we don't know exactly what the Colossian heresy is. You kind of have to reverse engineer the letter to kind of get an idea of what he was trying to address. Why was he saying this? What was the false teaching behind the correction here? And uh, we can come up with three or four things that, you know, might have been a, a problem in the church at Colossae, this Colossian heresy. First of all, it had to do uh, with worldly philosophy. You see, there were, some, there were some false teachers who came in and said, you know, I, I like that Jesus guy you're talking about, but really, if you want to be spiritual and, 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 and be at a higher plane, it's Jesus plus our worldly philosophy. Uh, notice in chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions. That phrase, uh, uh, no one takes you captive, is the picture of the kidnapping of a child. Pretty powerful picture there. What Paul is saying is, don't let anybody kidnap your thoughts. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. If you're new to the program, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website. That's somethinggoodradio.org, somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage and check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. 
Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. Legalism is a rigid adherence to a moral code that ultimately bases salvation on works rather than faith and diminishes the work of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul addresses this faulty doctrine in his letter to the Colossians. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. Don't let anybody kidnap your thoughts with worldly philosophy and empty deceit that is born of human tradition. There's a lot of that still going on today. Uh, That was probably part of the Colossian heresy. Secondly, pagan mysticism was part of this Colossian heresy. Uh, You read on there in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Now listen to this, according to the elemental spirits of the world. This is a description of all that is demonic, takes us into the world of witchcraft and astrology. There were some people saying, oh, Jesus, Jesus is great. Jesus, uh, well, he's really not enough. You got to have, you got to have Jesus plus this pagan mysticism that they were introducing. There was a third group and a third uh, element to this false teaching that had to do with uh, Jewish legalism. Look in verse 16. Paul says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You ever been at a church where they talk about Jesus, but then, you know, listen, they got their list, too, of do's and don'ts. Don't don't drink, dance, or chew, or go with girls who do, you know, that kind of thing. You're you're growing up in a church like that? And they put this this religious straitjacket on you. Jesus isn't enough. You got to have Jesus plus my rules, my rules of spirituality. That's called legalism. And the Jewish legalism of the first century was introduced by a group of what we call Judaizers. These are people who said, oh, okay, you can have your Jesus, but it's Jesus plus the Mosaic law. You got to live under the law. Today, we create a law, you know, of ourselves, and it's, it's, it's our list of do's and don'ts that measure your spiritual piety and mine. Run far from a place like that. And then finally, pious asceticism, all right? That's the word in the text. Look in verse uh, 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What is asceticism? It's extreme self-denial. Extreme self-denial. Now, Jesus said, if you want to be one of my disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. But there's an extreme self-denial that brings about a severity to your flesh that may even uh, so separate you from the world around you. You check yourself into a monastery or something like that. I mean, there have been times in church history where extreme self-denial and asceticism You know, it was Jesus plus this. Yeah, all the Jesus followers deny themselves this way. And Paul hears this, and he writes this letter to the Colossians. 
And what he's basically saying to them is, Jesus is greater than world philosophy. He's greater than pagan mysticism. He's greater than Jewish legalism. He's greater than uh, pious asceticism. He's greater than all of that. He's sufficient. He's complete. Jesus is all you need. He's enough. And any time we add something to Jesus and add something to the gospel, what we're saying is he's less than, not greater than, but less than who he really is as he emerges from the pages of Scripture. Remember, Colossae was a small church, tiny little church, in an insignificant city. And it reminds me of an old saying that doesn't apply here. You ever heard this one? Don't sweat the small stuff. Listen, when it comes to false teaching, you better sweat the small stuff because a little bit of false teaching in a small church in an insignificant city was a threat to the entire body of Christ. And that's why Paul wrote this letter. Now, he begins in verse 1 with some familiar greetings, but I want to point out something here that's really quite significant. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. There's a lot that we could say there, but I just want to focus on that phrase, in Christ at Colossi. Say that with me. In Christ at Colossi. This phrase describes the simultaneous and dual spiritual realities of every believer in Jesus Christ. We are simultaneously in Christ, and in our case, at Virginia Beach. Uh, there, there, is, there is a reality to us that we are, we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ while we are here on this earth at the same time. In other words, we are citizens of this earth in a particular place and have a responsibility in a particular physical locale, but we are also citizens of heaven. And a little bit later in chapter 3, Paul's going to say to the Colossians, set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. Whether you're at Colossae or at Virginia Beach or at Los Angeles or at Chicago or at New York or, or at, uh, you know, Rooster Puke, USA, wherever you are at, there's a tendency to become so earthly focused, so bogged down in where we're at that we forget in whom we really are. We are in Christ, in Christ, and at the location at the same time. And if you're not careful... Your affections will be so of this world that you're not living like a citizen in heaven. You know, the, the patriarchs of old, including Abraham, they saw themselves as pilgrims and strangers in this world. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ, let me tell you what should be happening. This world feels less and less and less and less like your home because we're just pilgrims and strangers. We're just passing through. We're on a foreign mission field. You ever been on a vacation or maybe traveling somewhere in a foreign land where the culture is different? And, you know, you, you enjoy the, the change of culture, different food, different people, different place, how they do things differently. But it just doesn't feel like home, does it? Well, Dorothy was right. There's no place like home. But our home is not this world. It's a temporary place for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We're just passing through. 
We're pilgrims and strangers. We're on a mission, a foreign mission. We are in Christ and at Colossae at the same time. I love how Paul drops that into his introductory remarks. He goes on to say, we th always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He didn't plant this church. He had no skin in the game, as it were. Maybe the extension uh, through a student of his named Epaphras, but he, he, he prayed for them. And he says, we thank God since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. When you love God, and love others. You prove that you have faith. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones and today's message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Look for the Something Good courses at the top of the homepage when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it, it can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one based on the 39 books of the Old Testament is now available and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you face as you put this project together and tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening right now. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set. As challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God 
to every member of His creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org and order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. If you would like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. We live in a world today, and I don't know how we got here, friends, where we've got this idea that if we disagree with somebody on any kind of an issue, and we bring biblical truth to it, we're haters. Oh, don't hate on me that way. Come on now. The most loving thing I can do or any of us can do is tell somebody the truth. And it's not your version of the truth. It's not my version of the truth. This is the truth. And as long as we're faithful and true to the Word of God, Okay, let's speak the truth in love. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the whole team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.